Welcome to Creators by Moonlight. Real conversations with content creators. Suzanne Massengill is a talent agent from Mobile, Alabama. As a former casting director, she has a unique perspective on the struggles many actors face. In this interview, she offers advice on why agents are needed, common mistakes new actors make, in the future of the industry as a whole. I am from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And so that's where I was born and raised. My mom still lives there. And I ended up going to the University of Alabama for college. And after that, I went to Atlanta and that's how I got into this industry. I worked for a casting director and kind of did, was their office manager and answered phones and learned the industry and everything like that. A few years later, I got married and moved to Alabama and opened my talent agency here. When I was young, this was nothing I ever thought about being interested in at all. It was a different world back then too, when everybody wasn't that interested in entertainment and we didn't have, you know, the internet even. Never even thought about it. It just kind of literally came across my plate. I needed a job in Atlanta and there was a hole to fill out a casting director's office that needed somebody to manage the phones and the castings. So I said, never done it. I'd love to try it, teach me. And that's kind of how I, it was a total fluke that I got into it. I would have never guessed I majored in psychology. That probably helps with actors. The role of a casting director is to fill the roles of a TV commercial, a film, a TV show, a music video, an industrial video, or anything that they have, you know, lines on on acting wise. So what they do is they usually reach out to agents, tell them what the role is about, the agents submit to them, they decide who they want to audition for it. They send them the names, the actors and agents send them back to the casting director. The casting director goes through all of the audition sent, probably deletes most of them, keeps a few and sends them to the director and producers to look at. Then their job is to come back and book them and make sure that the project is all booked up. When I worked at the casting directors, when I went in to answer the phones, I did that for a year and me and the boss got along. The main casting director got along so well. She was older and wanted to kind of take a break and taught me how to do the castings. And then she wanted to be the office manager. So we swapped roles and then I ended up being the main casting director there for like, you know, about four years. And so I guess more of an apprentice, I learned actually how to do that job. And then when I became a talent agent, I basically kind of demoted myself, <laughs> you know, because the casting directors are above us and that's our boss. So it was great because I got insight of what they were looking for and how they were. There were hardly any movies or TV shows or anything there that was before the boom. I worked for a commercial casting director. Uh, I worked for Stillwell Casting, and they were one of the biggest commercial casting directors there. And um, it was way, it was ten years before the boom. Like so, when I left, there still wasn't the incentives or anything like that in 
the South yet. Suzanne left Atlanta and moved to the Gulf Coast, not typically known as a hotbed for the entertainment industry. When I got to the Gulf Coast and in Alabama, um, I couldn't be a casting director, which is what I knew how to do because there was not enough jobs for me to be a casting director. And um, there was no talent agencies for me to call. So I had to open the talent agency and kind of be both. I was a casting director and a talent agency for like 10 years. You know what I mean? Just because there was no casting directors and there was no talent agencies. There was one other talent agency in Birmingham and we worked together all the time, but we were the only two that knew how to do anything. And that was before the New Orleans boom and Atlanta boom and all that. This was my first impression of coming here from Atlanta, which is, you know, boom, 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 such fast work. I noticed one of the first things I noticed was that people were outside their houses at like four o'clock with beers talking to their neighbors. And I was like, wow, nobody goes home till like six or seven in Atlanta. Totally different laid back atmosphere than what I was used to. I could not believe it. So, I mean, that's how I, that's how I find it the biggest difference. I mean, everybody's so fast paced. And so, you know what I mean? They workaholics and all of that. And that's what I did. And I was used to it and all that. But we also did not have the internet, remember? So we couldn't work at night. We just went home. But it was very, it's a very, very laid back, very um, friendly area of the Gulf Coast, I feel like. When I got here, there was nothing but those, those modeling schools and stuff like that. We didn't really even have those. We already knew those were scams in Atlanta. So when I got here, I'm like, oh, they're still doing those. Okay. So people were very skeptical of what I was doing. Luckily, I had some already clients from Atlanta that knew me. And I said, hey, I'm moving to Alabama. They're like, oh my gosh, great. We need a talent. We need somebody in Alabama. So great. I had kind of a client already that I came down here with. And the ad agencies were thrilled and that kind of thing. And what I did, the first thing I did was work for a production company and answered their phones so I could meet the ad agencies and the clients that would be to be. So I worked for like somebody who shot films and shot commercials and all that first so I could build a clientele for me to move into this. And I told them what I was doing, you know? So everybody was very excited about it but very skeptical because they'd all been kind of ripped off in the past by those modeling schools. A models and talent can be a talent agency. A modeling school is where they just kind of teach you what to do and then you're on your own to find an agent. You don't really need to teach people how to pose. I can teach people how to walk a runway in 15 minutes in my office. It's just unnecessary. And that's why they're not around anymore, the modeling school. It's just kind of an unnecessary skill to learn. Well, what I tell people when they ask about them, because you still have some of those showcases and stuff like that. I'm like, if you want to do it, make it like fun. You know, I mean, have fun, learn what you want to learn, all that kind of thing. It doesn't make you a model, which is very true because modeling is all based, very shallow. It's all based on your height, size, look, all of that. So a modeling school for a five foot two person isn't going to make you a model. Suzanne outlines why actors need an agent, what makes an agent legitimate, and some of the most common problems that new actors face. 
about finding an agent and getting an agent, well, there are hobbyists and there are actors, and they're two different entities. And when you get past the hobbyist stage and want to become an actor, you need an agent. And where I think that comes in is what we call a package. So your acting training, your acting classes, acting coaches, your headshots, possible clips, possible reels, and what you've done at all in the industry, whether it be independent films, short films, student films. That all needs to be either done or in the works when you start looking for an agent. And it's the people that want to stop doing the unpaid work and want to move on to getting real roles through casting directors that are paying well that need to make that jump and make all of those things happen. Legit agents are all commission-based. We all work off of commissions from booking our talent. So we can't take headshots and we can't like have our own workshops and something like that. You know what I mean? I'm always asked to teach acting classes, but really I can't. It's unethical for talent agents to teach acting classes. There's a way to do it. Like somebody, like a playhouse could, uh, somebody could hire me to teach the classes at their place. But I can't have my people take classes from me because everything that makes the agency go around is our commissions. I look at every submission that comes into my agency. I look at everyone every day and then the next day I'll start over and that kind of thing. But I do look at everybody individually as where I need them to fit into my agency, where I have holes in my agency and I could fit them and how far along they are in their acting career. So some people submit to me that I already know of and I already keep up with on social media and I know they're working. So those kind of people, I've already looked at all of their stuff. I've already looked at their IMDb. I've already looked at their things and they're looking for a change in agency. So I will usually take them on because I've already looked at their package probably before they even got to my email submission. Some people just flat out say, I've never done this in my life. I want to get into an agency and try to act. Those people, I take their look and see if it'll fit in my agency for commercials because they don't know how to act yet. But if they can get on set in commercials and they can start their acting classes, then they'll have a purpose in my agency. They'll start in commercials and work their way to TV and film if they want to. But they have a spot because there's so many non-speaking commercials on the air where they're just nice looking people, funny looking people, whatever you have. So if there's a hole, but I need their look, I'll take them on even without experience to fill my commercial roster. If they are not a person that can be in commercials and they don't have any training or anything, I usually give them a list of actors, coaches, and that kind of thing and tell them where to start and to submit back to me when, you know what I mean, they feel ready and more prepared. TV and film, people are the same. Commercial people are the same. And I have a lot of theater people in the agency, actually a ton of kids. Because the, the best way for kids to learn how to act is to kind of get in the theater or drama clubs and stuff like that. But yes, you, there's a total way to do them all. The biggest problem I find, and I think it's a lot of new actors and all over the Southeast, is that we overact. 
I feel like they think that they have to act to be a great actor, but being a great actor doesn't require a lot of acting. Be yourself, use their lines, and put them into play as a natural person. So many times we overact, and I think it's very common for new actors to try to overact because they think that's how it is. And it's kind of like almost doing a skit to me that you did in high school. I can literally speak the lines out of my mouth and tell them how to say them. And they go, oh, okay, that sounded better. Right. It takes different times for different actors. Some of it depends on how long they've been in theater and stuff like that. And some of them kind of do it right away. As soon as I say what to do, they they go, oh, yeah. And I say, less is more. Pretend that you don't have to reach the last person in the audience. The camera's five feet from you. I go, you don't need to yell. I need you to say it just like you would. That would be age appropriate for you. Or you would say to you, you know, you would say to somebody in your family. And they do and it get, they get it. It's total difference. They, it takes sometimes more work than others. So I'm kind of an old-fashioned agency. And not many people do, but I still have an audition room in my office. When I started in Atlanta, and for years after that, all agents did their own auditions. You walked in, you did an audition, and we sent it to the clients. Well, then, you know, several years ago, everybody started taping their own auditions in their and um, own auditions. Actors started doing their own auditions, had their own studios, and then they could send them in and not leave their house. And then you could also send them to Atlanta and not drive five hours for an audition and stuff like that. I still have an audition room in my office and it's kind of an open policy in my agency that if you need me, I'm here for your audition if you need me. When an agent takes you on, it's a commitment. It's a big commitment. So what we expect is, of course, up-to-date headshots. Number one, you have to have headshots. Of course, if you want to go into acting, you need to be taking your acting classes and acting training and all that kind of thing. But then you know, boom, 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 you're going to start getting email auditions and a turnaround within like sometimes 48 hours. Today, I had one that's due tonight. And you have to be checking that email. You have to be ready to, you know, do your audition, either get to my office or put your studio together and do an audition and get it in in 48 hours. It's a hustle. It's a hustle. And you got to learn to do it that way. And the parents are great. The parents of my kids are like, we're on it. We'll have it there. Like, they are great. But, you know, we are in the South and people do have jobs. So, I mean, I get emails, auditions to me at two in the morning. Of course, I'm not checking them at two in the morning, but I can get them and submit them when we open it, you know, eight or nine in the morning. So, some people have to do both, but it is a hustle. You have to get stuff in fast. You have to learn your lines fast. You have to set up your studio. You got to get a reader got to get somebody to read with you for those and you got to edit it label it and get it in in that time frame I think me and probably several other agencies drop people in January I don't need 10 blonde hair blue-eyed girls that are 10 years old so I just take a look at my roster and see what I need from them good agents are friends with other agents so we all chat we all complain. We all, you know what I mean? We'll have virtual drinks or whatever. You know what I mean? So we all get along. And so a lot of the agents I know send out a big letter in either December or January and say, hey, you know, we're making some changes in our roster. And, you know, we feel like, you know, it's time to move on type of thing. So we give them a chance to get those auditions in. 
and get them sent to us and get them to sent to us correctly. And if they're not, then, you know, they need they need more time to work on it. Even with an agent, actors still need to put forth significant effort to manage their careers. Suzanne gives clarification on many of the issues facing actors in 2022. Self-taping auditions, I think, are very hard for new people. You know, sometimes they're harder for people who have been in the business a long time. It's a lot of work. that I can't believe we used to do them for everybody. But most importantly, you have to have a solid backdrop. We can't see grandma's picture in the back. No candlesticks. You also have to have um, a camera or even an iPhone works horizontal. No vertical shoots. They also have to be on a tripod. Nobody wants to see a person's moving. Lighting is very important. And mostly softbox are preferred. And, you know, nobody likes really the lab mics. They, they like, I mean, usually cameras and iPhones work fine. Uh, but sometimes they have an outer microphone they like to use. But the lab, they don't like to see the lab mics. And you always have to have a reader. Always have to have a reader. There's people that try to do their auditions and then there's no reader. They'll delete them. It used to be in the directions, no, no virtual readers. When COVID came, they didn't want you to go see readers. So everybody had to do that. And now they're fine with it. For the Southeast, the biggest websites are um, actressaccess.com and Casting Networks. And I think they're different in other markets. Like there's, I think, three or four of them for LA. They have different. There's a thing called Casting Frontier, but I don't really know anybody that uses it. But I think it might be big out west. But the big two are the Actors Access and Casting Networks. Backstage is a good place to start. Once you start getting speaking roles and all of that, you'll drop that. And then there's something called mycastingfile.com. And that gives you opportunities to be extras on a lot of big shows going on in New Orleans. So it's a good place to start to get on set in New Orleans for the big TV shows and movies being filmed down there. If you have a role on anything, a speaking role, you need to have an IMDb because that's basically where we find out whether or not you're telling the truth on your resume. I think it's enough to be listed until you're making, you know what I mean, until it's something that you have several credits. I have IMDb Pro, of course, but I think it's just enough, except especially for kids and stuff to have an IMDb instead of Pro. But I look at it daily. Like when people are like, hey, do you know anything about this movie? Or hey, I did this movie. I look them up. If you're a working actor, you have to have it because it really tells you whether or not you've really been in it. Because, what you, do, you know, IMDb, you have to put yourself out there and say, hey, I want an IMDb credit for your this movie I was in. And they approve it or not, you know. So it's kind of like where you find out some of the truth is. The only bummer about IMDb is that if you did shoot a film and you get cut out, you do not get your IMDb credit. But it's you can put it on your resume. So big red flags on social media casting calls. Well, if you know me, I comment on a lot of them because I want them to finish what they're doing and they miss a lot of they miss a lot of information. So casting calls for one need to say whether they're union or non-union. They should always say what they pay or if they're unpaid, they should still state that. They should always say where they're shooting, you won't believe how many people go casting call for this movie and they don't show where it's shooting. So people from Arkansas 
or submitting to it a movie in you know South Mississippi. Well, that doesn't work. So, anyways, they're they just need to get all of their information in in order, in my eyes, for it to be a legit casting. Even if it's for an independent or a short, it should have all of that information in there for actors. It's the biggest waste of time for an actor to submit on a commercial that, that says paid and they find out the pay is $25. Just a lot of misinformation out there. And sometimes they put things like the pay depends on experience. Well, that's not a thing. Everybody goes to a commercial shoot. Everybody gets paid the same. Sometimes there's a hero role, but everybody else gets the same pay. For the same people that are doing the same thing, everybody has the same exact pay. Movies and commercials and television shows. Deferred pay means no pay. And I've been working here for a long time, and I've never heard of anybody that got their deferred pay. I've never heard had anybody say, got my deferred check. Because <laughs> they haven't. Here's the thing. The Southeast is a right-to-work state. So you don't have to join SAG ever, and you can work as many SAG jobs as you want. It doesn't make one bit of a difference in the pay when, you're on, when you get booked on a movie. But on non-right-to-work states like LA and New York, you work one SAG job and you have to join SAG. So in the Southeast, you don't have to join SAG. And my opinion of it is I wouldn't join SAG until you're making a living from this industry. Like this is, this is your number one, this is your number one job in life. And then I will explain the other thing. If you're on a SAG movie as non-SAG and a SAG person's on a SAG movie as SAG, most of the time your rate's exactly the same. So it doesn't really matter in a right to work state, whether or not you join SAG, you just want, you know, eventually you want the be- the benefits of them, your insurance and you know what I mean? Your health and benefits. So that's kind of where that comes into play. You can be SAG eligible if you do one speaking role in a SAG movie, or I think it's like three extra roles in SAG projects, but you don't, if you're an extra, you don't need to join SAG. Like it's, it's there's no point in joining SAG. I have a lot of people with that own their own businesses so that they can have time to do my, you know, go to my shoots and stuff like that. Real estate's a good one. Ubers are a good one. DoorDash, all of that is really good. And, you know, those are just within the last few times, but they're a few years. I mean, but they're all great jobs for actors. You kind of make your own hours. If you're not working that day, do that. And sales. Sales is a really good one for a lot of people as well. I've got a lot of people do or in sales, and they just, you know, move their appointments when they have shoots. So you're working for me one day, you might be missing out on a commission, but you're working for me one day. I think there's already agents out there that do this, because I've looked them up, and people have called me asking me, will you check out this agent? I'm big on TikTok, and I, I they want me to work for them and all that, and I'll check them out for them. Right now, the mainstream talent agencies are not, that I know of, opening an influencer division. But I think that there's agents that specify in that. I'll be honest, those people have taken a lot of work away from actors because they're so much cheaper, though. They used to hire models for things, and now they'll hire influencers to just send their product to and put pictures on social media and tag everybody in it. The modeling industry went, Psht, and there's hardly any just standalone modeling anymore. 
because influencers are so cheap to hire instead. You just send them the product and you pay them a little bit. I think it is what it is. It's a sign of the times. It's a bad thing for agents. We used to book a lot of modeling. We don't book a lot of modeling anymore because of it. Suzanne explains how she was able to stay in business during 2020, when many other talent agents succumbed to a near-complete shutdown of the entertainment industry. Well, I had zero jobs for like six months, I think. Six or seven months, we pretty much had zero jobs. I luckily had a film that we were working on when COVID came like and hit mid-March 2020, and we only had like three shoot days left. So, you know, we wrapped the film early. We got really lucky we didn't have to cut in the middle of the movie. We got pretty much everything in and, and I worked up until that day. So that was good. At least I had an income up until that day, you know. But I did have no work for like six months. We did have zero work. And we did a couple of those COVID commercials though. So, but that's kind of it. Oddly enough, I just did a commercial, just shot a commercial for a at-home COVID test. And what they do is they pay the actor to show up that day and then they pay them for how long it's going to run. I had actors on set and they were, it was an at-home COVID test commercial and it was going to run for two years. And then they call back and go, we want it for three years. And we're all like, oh, a lot of agencies shut down and a lot of agencies, um, I, I had two assistants and I furloughed them. A lot of agencies, because my agency's small, I just have two assistants, but a lot of, I mean, I mean agencies nixed 30 people. I mean, who was it? The people in LA were nixing 100 people, you know? So that's how they remained going. But uh, I think a lot of agents did not make it. I did not think I wouldn't make it, I'll be honest. I did not think I wouldn't make it. I've been here over 20 years. I don't think, you know what I mean? I just didn't never would have assumed I wouldn't make it. Here's where these um, commercials come in that I talked about that, you know, we still do commercials. When you shoot a commercial, you book them for that day and then you book them for how long the commercial could run. So a lot of people's commercials ran out in 2020, but COVID didn't allow them to reshoot a new commercial. So they had to pay my people over to keep running their commercials. So the residuals from commercials kept agents alive. So we still had money coming in, even if we weren't technically on set. I feel like our future is really good. And I've really delved into more of the film and television market, TV shows, I mean, than I had before. Over COVID, I made it a point to take on more talent because we couldn't do anything else. So I did a lot of Zooming and take on talent that I didn't, that I had a hole for. I mean, there wasn't much to do. And I also took a lot of workshops for casting directors and watched a lot of Zoom classes and that kind of thing. And I learned a lot. I mean, we, I, I still learn things every day, you know? So I felt like the workshops and the Zoom classes I did made me know what casting directors, each different casting director wanted. So I could submit better auditions and do the niche that they kind of like to see. I mean, we get so busy and we get so caught up in, in our daily life. And then when COVID came, I just was like, all right, so I've never even seen this casting director or what he looks like. I submit to him, you know what I mean? So then I, would, I sat down and watched a lot of their stuff and their talks and their you know, stuff they'd put on on Instagram and all that. So I did more of that. Now I don't have as much time anymore. 
but it really did help me because it helped me. I'm like, oh, they hate that. They hate it when you slate that, you know? So it really helped me learn each personality. Last year was um, very busy from spring on, like slammed, because you can imagine how backed up people are with their movies, TV shows, and commercials. New Orleans is always growing. The panhandle's not growing. Alabama, we had not this year. I, I want to say 2019 was the first time we ran out of our incentives. We had so many movies. So that hasn't come back. That kind of year has not come back yet. So 2020 was 2020. And so all the movies that were here canceled. And then 2021, the people didn't come back to Alabama. But they went back to New Orleans and back to Atlanta. So our area, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida. Florida doesn't have incentives, so there's nothing there anyways that way. But our movie industry really has not come back here. But the others did boom in 2021. So it kept me busy. I mean, you know, I book at all those other places too, so that's fine. In addition to it being her job, Suzanne finds creative fulfillment in her work as a talent agent. She offers her overall advice for those pursuing careers as agents or actors. So when I see one of my projects on TV and that kind of thing, or a movie or something like that, I like, yes, have big proud moment for it and for the actors that I put in it. Casting directors really deserve an award, like at these award ceremonies. Talent agents, I mean, I don't think that's what we're expecting, but casting directors, I still feel like they really need to have their own category. Agents, we're working for the t- them and there's, you know what I mean? And people change agents and all that kind of thing. But we definitely have our proud moments when we see our people on the screen. One example of that is that people walk into my office and see my poster from Get Out and they had no idea it was filmed here. You know what I mean? And they're like, what'd you do? I'm like, that filmed here. They're like, wow. Like, you know what I mean? So that one got big and that was kind of fun to watch. Being a talent agent, I would say work for a talent agent or work in the industry and see what you want to do. Like, I think it's a terrible idea for people to open a business that they have never worked under a professional for. I do. I think it's a terrible idea for anybody to go into casting if they'd never worked under another casting director. I think it's a bad idea to be a talent agent if you have never worked under a professional talent agent. I think it's a bad idea to be a producer if you haven't worked under a producer. I just think that all those things you need to learn from good people, legit people, and the honest way to run the business that that won't give you misinformation to pass on to people. There's a lot of misinformation out there, and that's why I think people need to learn from good mentors and people who have been doing it a long time so that you're not trying to learn it on your own and giving, like if you try to be a talent agent and you've never worked under anybody, they're giving a misinformation. Like they don't know all the SAG rules. They don't know all the, you know, ins and outs of buyouts, residuals, all of that. That's where it kind of comes in. If you've never done anything in your life, try theater. You, If you hate it, don't go into acting. I mean, really, 
and it, learn, it teaches you how to audition and that kind of thing. And then if you love it, get into your acting classes, whether it be Zooms, online, or in person. Probably you can't, in a small town, you're not going to have personal acting classes. But there are some fabulous Zooms and acting coaches that you can get online and you can do one-on-ones. Like you can take your script and give it to your acting coach and you practice your lines before you, you go to an audition and that kind of thing. So the acting classes and training is the most important and it cuts out probably years from trying to just learn on your own. I think everybody needs an agent to make that step, you know? So I think that they would be crazy to, there's some people that think agents, oh, they take 15% of my job. So I don't want them to do that. Well, that's because we could probably get you double the money. You know what I mean? Like it's like, they don't understand that what agents do and how many more job opportunities there are and stuff like that. You probably don't have one of your award winners on TV, on anywhere that don't have an agent. Some people want to do it themselves because they don't want to give away that agency fee, but I guarantee those people are happy to give that agency fee up with the big roles. Thanks for listening to Creators by Moonlight. Email the show at creatorsbymoonlight at gmail.com and follow the show on social at Creators by Moonlight.